This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. everyone, welcome to another edition of Tunnel Vision. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, and I'm joined alongside Chris Trevino in studio and Shotgun Spratling joining us remotely, and we're going to talk about all things USC Trojan football and recruiting over the next hour or so. We haven't done a live show on Tunnel Vision. We've done a bunch of them, but just mostly one-on-one interviews. We've done a lot of podcasts, but a live show with me, Chris, and Shotgun together, it's been Quite a while, a couple of months. So we want to get back uh, rolling with doing these shows again, probably on Sunday nights during the season. We'll try to do two, you know two a week as well. So we'll still get a feel for what the uh, fall camp schedule will be and then what the practice schedule will be uh, during the season. So once we figure that out, we'll know exactly what our tunnel vision schedule would be. Uh, if you would like, uh, we're watching. We're going to be live on YouTube, on Facebook, and on Twitter. Please subscribe. Uh, all that you can see all of our Twitter handles. Uh, down below, you can uh, follow us there. But if you would like subscribe and like on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Inside Troy, or our Facebook page for uscfootball.com, we would appreciate that. And tell your friends uh, about Tunnel Vision. But we want to go over uh, everything that's going on around the USC football program uh, lately. And we wanted to do it with Chris and Shotgun. And we haven't had, sh- I got to say hi to Shotgun. Like, we just haven't had him on a show for a while. He's feeling a little neglected. There's been all kinds of baseball stuff going on, so he gets busy during that season and stuff. But, Shoddy, how are you doing, man? I mean, I'm surviving out here on the East Coast. Uh, you know, it's a little bit different. You know, I'm in Big Ten territory. I just, you know, made the move a little earlier than you guys. Uh, just getting prepared. I did some advanced scouting this week. and went out to Penn State. Uh, went and saw some family out there, so I had to stop by, check out the the football stadium, check out the baseball field. But, yeah, you know, it's it's been a while since I've seen you guys, uh, your faces at least, on this. Uh, I've been listening to some of the podcasts and some of the shows, which is an advanced metric for me because Chris knows I don't really listen to podcasts. But I've been trying to keep up with you guys as much as possible. And obviously, there's been a ton of big news going on. There's been a lot of news. And, uh, well, Chris, check it with you. How are you doing, man? You seem like a, you're like distracted or something. I'm, I'm just doing scattering reports on the uh my Orioles number one overall pick. That's what I'm here. That's the reason why Shotgun's here, right? We're just going to talk about. We're not talking Orioles. about the baseball draft. <laughs> That's. Can we just let Shotgun just talk? He hasn't talked on the show in like two just, months. Just, just put let him, him on. talk. I'm just going to be here. No one's going to care that I'm not here. Just let him go on. He could do. Uh, he do 45 minutes on the Big Ten. Was our was our last show your like 10K one? Was that the last one? I think that's the last time us three were together. I think me and you did a show separate with we Chris not being available. 
Uh, but that I think that was like two months ago. That was so. the Addison one, right? That was television. Yeah, me and Chris did. I mean, me and Shotgun did an Addison one for sure. Um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I, it's funny. Uh, so a little side story. Uh, before we came over here, I had a friend's birthday party in Manhattan Beach. Uh, Culture Brewing Company. It's right on Manhattan Beach Boulevard. Open, you know, it's kind of open doors or whatever. And I'm sitting there, you know, I, I, I was going to have a beer and then come in here. And uh, pretty much finished up and I see Alex Grinch walking by. I'm like, what's up? And he looks into the window and I wave and he's like, he's like, hey. And so I came over and said hello to him. Uh, he's He was down there with his wife and uh, another couple that were going to go to dinner somewhere down there. So just randomly ran into him. And then someone at the party that I didn't know, it's kind of like, seemed like a crazy guy. He looked a lot like Cam Smith, the guy who just won the Open today. Mullet, like kind of like light wispy hair, like very similar look to Cam Smith. I was like, you look like the dude that just won the Open. And it seems like he has a good time. And he was like telling me, oh, he didn't know what I did. And I told him what I did. He's like, oh, I was at the Orange Bowl in 2005 or whatever, the 2005 season um, for the USC-Oklahoma game. And I'm like, you were? I'm like, are you a fan? He's like, no. They, I was living in Miami. They needed volunteers to be. So I was the orange. He was like, he dressed up as the orange <laughs> mascot on the field. I'm like, this is the most random thing. Like literally that was about a half an hour ago. I met that dude. Um, so it was kind of funny, but little side note. Please, before we stay. please tell me so you guys have seen the clip that's kind of circling on Twitter today on social media of Corey Dillon running over a mascot. Someone, you know, the drill where you're both laying down, you get up and then you try to tackle the ball carrier and Corey Dillon just destroys a mascot. Doing nice. That. The former running back for the, for the Bengals and Patriots, uh, just completely run them over since we, since we brought up mascots. I'll, I love it. Uh, so you met the orange. I met the guy that was the orange. <laughs> yeah. Wow. For that day. It wasn't like the normal yeah. orange. They just needed an orange. Yeah, screw it. Go get his number. Let's get him on the podcast this week. <laughs> it's summer, we baby. We need guests, baby. We need, we need, we need people talking. We are. I mean, we're flying through July. And uh, this is going quick. And all of a sudden, it's going to be Pac-12 Media Day. Uh, it was July 28th, I believe, is Pac-12 Media Day. Um, and when, for us, that's like the start of college football season. Once you hear right. from all the coaches and you hear you know, the players and stuff, what's going on, it's going to be here before you know it. So it, it's kind of crazy. There's like 50-something days left until USC kicks off against Rice. But, of course, fall camp um, is you know going to start early August. Like we said, I don't know. We might not be able to watch any practices. We might be able to watch them all. We are not sure what our media availability will be yet, but we'll let you know as soon as we do uh, and kind of doctor our coverage around uh, all that stuff. But, you know, Chris mentioned it at the top, Shoddy. Um, we haven't heard from you on this conference realignment stuff. It's pretty much settled down. Chris and I have talked about it a lot on the Peristyle podcast. We've done these shows here. Um, but also just, you know, being able to hear from you on what's going on I know the UC Board of Regents is kind of chiming in with UCLA, but after that first day when this all broke and Chris and I were at uh, at the Elite 11 finals, things have been pretty slow. We, we learned that night that the you know paperwork signed. It's a done deal, but there hasn't really been too much movement or anything since then. So maybe, Shadi, give your thoughts on uh, conference realignment, USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. I want Shotgun's oh. where he was, what was he doing okay. when the news... I want his where was he when the news broke story. That's how he has to start it. Okay. Um, I, I got a text from the group. The group thread uh, was like, hey, can you do something? Can you merge the threads? Can you take care of the Big Ten stuff? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what's going on here. I was rocking a toddler to sleep, you know, putting my, my roommate's kid to, to bed and during the for an afternoon nap. And I was like, I don't know what's happening here. And I was like, sure, when I get done with this. And then I go down and I'm just like, what just happened? What? 
what is this real? And then, you know, you guys jump on, go to a live show. So I was kind of listening to that while, you know, streaming through the Twitter and stuff and kind of sending you guys some stuff. And I, I think I sent you something. I can't remember who it was from uh, that said, this isn't a maybe thing, but this is a likely to be done by the end of the day, at least in the next 24 hours. And that like was a secondary, just like, what is happening here? And then obviously I started thinking like, is this better for me now? Because I'm going to be closer to half the games, you know. So do I, you know? Do I'm I am I already just in a better position? The USCFootball.com premonition that you know we need to send someone to the Northeast. Obviously, I'm a little bit far away from some of the schools, but I'm right there for the Rutgers game. I've already got us a place to stay for the Penn State uh, game when we go cover that game. So you know, we're we're getting ready uh, out here on the on the East Coast for you guys to to make the some of these East Coast trips. I like it. Um... Yeah, how far are you from Rutgers? Like, Rutgers is about an hour away, forty-five minutes to an hour. Okay. So you can out, you guys can crash here, and we we'll make the forty-five minute drive if we need to. Maryland's about two and a half hours away, so you know we can get down there for a quick John. Obviously, Chris has connections there, so yeah. we're already in. We're already in a great position here. And obviously, there's been a lot of Michigan people on the beat in the past. So, oh yeah, know, we, we know a lot of Michigan some, people. Yeah. So we we'll have to, you know, we we'll have to find some connections. We we'll have to hit up. Uh, uh, health and see if he's he's around to get us hooked up when we go to Michigan. But uh, otherwise, I think we're in a, a good position here. I like it. And you're probably not that far from Ohio State as well. Our They're Columbus. good. Some of these are a little bit further drive. Uh, it'll take a good six, seven hours. But hey, that's what the Bay Area trip is. So you know, it'll be a, it'll be a lot different though. Just it's going to be super interesting. Um, I've talked with a lot of coaches, baseball coaches in particular, uh, about this and. You know, football is not going to be bad. This is the one thing, and it comes up on Twitter, is like the travel is not that big of a deal for football. And, hey, there will be jet lag. That will be an issue. It'll be interesting to see if USC, UCLA try to accommodate. And, hey, normally if you're leaving on Friday morning, if suddenly you're going to leave on a Thursday afternoon, try to get there, let that body adjust for an extra, you know, extra 12, 14, 16 hours, whatever it may be, to help you be in position, especially if you play an earlier game. And I don't think that USC will play too many early games in the in the Big Ten. But if you do, that way you're just a little bit more prepared. So that'll be interesting to see if that adjustment. But, you know, I've been talking with some coaches in the Big Ten, and some of the schools have compulsory attendance issues where, you know, they can't leave. You know, when I was talking to a baseball coach this past week. His school, they can only miss five classes uh, per semester. So I believe it's uh, seven classes per semester. And if you miss more than that, then, you know, you get docked on your grade. So, they can't leave until a certain time on Thursday. So oftentimes, mostly for baseball, you travel Thursday morning, so you get a Thursday evening practice in on the field you're going to play on on Friday. This school, they can't do that. They basically have to, you know, the, Thursday is a wash for them. So there's going to be some, you know, especially now you're traveling, you know, for a five- or six-hour flight versus a 45-minute to a two-and-a-half-hour flight at max in the conference. So there's going to be some adjustment periods there for some of the Big Ten schools as well. We'll see how USC adjusts to it. And that's not as a huge issue for football. You're maybe having four trips across the country, which is still a lot. But you get into some of the other sports, you look at baseball, you look at softball, you look at volleyball, those type of sports, and it's going to be a big issue. You know, and this is why I think in, inevitably the Big Ten is going to have to expand 
at least to four teams on the West Coast. And I, I think ideally you would like to have six teams. If you're getting to a 24-team conference, if you're looking at that super conference idea, I think eventually you have six teams on the West just for one to make the travel that much easier so that you're not having every away trip being 1,500 miles. I mean, you look at UCLA softball, because USC doesn't have a softball team, every single away conference trip they would have would be at least 1,500 miles away. And it's just not sustainable for your teams to be able to succeed because there are schools that, you know, I, I talked with a coach this year, they didn't play a midweek baseball game on a Tuesday. That's normal the normal day that uh, the teams play uh, for the West Coast. And they didn't play one week, and they played on a Wednesday a different week because they had traveled towards the east, once to Texas and once all the way to the east coast. And they don't like having those games after because they felt their teams were sluggish. So now all of a sudden they feel like that they would be, you know, you're, you're going to be sluggish on that Tuesday game, and now you lose to a team like a UC Riverside or, you know, a team that's not very good and it hurts your RPI. Those type of things are going to come into consideration a lot for, you know, the non-football sports. I think basketball could be affected by it too. It would be interesting to see how the Big Ten schedules out things for USC and UCLA for the travel. You know, maybe do we see some neutral site stuff where, hey, four teams meet in Vegas or four teams meet in Denver or something like that to, to play in an NBA arena. Uh, and you have USC, UCLA, and you have two, two of the teams from the East or something like that, where you get multiple games in, uh, something to, to, you know, to try to mitigate the, the travel and how difficult that is going to be on some of the bodies for – because remember, these are student athletes. I don't know about if you guys remember your college days. I didn't sleep much in college. I still don't sleep much. But a lot of people don't sleep a ton in college. And then suddenly you're going to be asking these kids whether you stayed up because you got to write a paper. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. You know, everyone's got that story where – it's midnight and your roommate comes in or, you know, and say, did you start on a paper yet? No. Have you? No. You want to go to Taco Bell? Yeah. So, you, <laughs> you know, knowing you got an 8 a.m. class the next day, that might be a true story. Might might also still be a true story. Uh, but, you know, I think you're going to have those type of things where you're going to have kids that are sluggish and you're dealing with all the things where you're maturing as an 18, 19, 20-year-old. That it's You're going to see some results that are very surprising, that don't match the the – the betting lines don't do that because of that travel that people are kind of forgetting about a little bit. And, and outside of football, you're going to see it even more, I think. Yeah. Uh, Shotgun, you were just kind of talking about it, obviously with traveling for non-football sports, but since you're, you know, the world's greatest USC basketball beat writer, we haven't really delved too much into, you know, USC basketball joining the big 10 and kind of what that looks like as a program that, you know, has had a lot of success over the last couple of seasons over Andy Enfield. So what do you think about the move for hoops to the Big Ten, and how do you think they will you know, adjust uh, to Big Ten play? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think it's a, a very kind of intriguing move for USC basketball. Does it help? Does it hurt? I think it could go either way because the Big Ten is known for a very physical style of basketball which can prepare you a lot of times for the postseason a little bit better. Um, and the, the Pac-12 has been known for a lot of ticky-tack calls, a lot of games just being kind of, you know, not being able to get in a rhythm. Whereas the Big Big Ten, a lot of times they'll let players bang a lot. And I think just that difference in styles, stylistic difference could be, you know, could be a game changer for USC and how it pre prepares you for the postseason and how you, you sometimes you can get in a better rhythm in a game just because there aren't as many fouls called. But – if you don't bulk up, if you don't get stronger, and USC's bigs have not been known as these, you know, big powerful guys. They don't get six eight guys that are two hundred sixty pounds. 
they get your seven footers like Evan Mobley that can move on a wing. And, you know, how can that, how does that transition in the Big Ten? You know, they'll be, you know, sometimes they'll be facing those guys that are six, eight, six, nine, that are just bigger guys. And now you can drag them out to the wing. I think that clash of styles is always really interesting in the preseason tournaments, the Christmas tournaments, and then in the postseason. Well, now it's good. You're going to see it on, on display in conference play. Does USC start maybe? changing the way they're recruiting players or do they stick to their style and think it works well? Uh, I think those are all very interesting. I think as a conference as a whole, the Big Ten is obviously very much deeper. And now USC's kind of solidified themselves in the top four or five of the conference the last four or five years. But, you know, the years before that, you know, they got left out of the tournament and they got snubbed basically. And part of it was, well, we don't know. We don't think the Big Twelve is. A, I mean, the Pac-12 is a very good conference. So therefore, we're not going to put an extra team in. Well, now you're going to get the benefit of the doubt a little bit more in those type situations. So that might help USC, but it is going to be much diff, much more difficult. I mean, Chris, you could speak on Maryland making that jump from the ACC to the to Big Ten, and you know some of the depth of the conference. And ACC obviously is a really deep conference as well in basketball. But you know there can be some changes where you, you know you're not getting to those. Every year, USC setting records for the number of wins they have, and you know you can you know feast on some you know cow when they're not very good. And, you know some of these other teams that have struggled and just not having that consistency. I think you have a, a deeper conference that's more consistently good in the Big Ten. So I think those are going to be some challenges for USC, but I think it's really intriguing at the same time because of the stylistic differences and the fact that now you're going to get the benefit of the doubt a little bit more, uh, especially if you get some big wins on the road in, in the Big Ten conference. You know, it's going to be looked at as a conference road trip, but I think the committee will also look at it as, hey, they traveled 2,000 miles and got these wins on the road as well. Yeah. All right. Well, we, we'll we're going to do some questions in a little bit, and uh, if there's more realignment stuff, we could talk about that. Essentially, what's happening right now, the Big Ten seems like they're standing pat, waiting for something to happen with Notre Dame. It might not happen anytime soon. Uh, the Big 12, the Pac-12 could eat each other, could go after each other, they could merge. The Pac-12 could join with the ACC and some kind of partnership. There's there's a lot of kind of options out there, so we're just kind of waiting to see what happens. But probably most likely that Notre Dame move would be first. And we might just get into the season and not hear anything else for quite a while. So we'll see. It took about 11 months since after uh, – the Texas Oklahoma kind of first shot was fired, and then USC and UCLA. So we might not hear anything till next year. Who knows? We'll see uh, what happens there. But um, we're we're doing a feature up on uscfootball.com. The whole roster is different, right? Lincoln Riley said this is going to be the most unique roster in college football history. So we all kind of put our heads together and came up with our top thirty uh, players that are just irreplaceable guys that you know of the most you know the most who could you not replace if they went down. For this football season, and a lot of guys we've never seen them play in a cardinal and gold uniform before, so there was a, you know some subject subjectivity to all this. But we're we're counting them down, releasing one every day or so, and uh, we've got 22, 22 to thirty have been released, plus uh, the five like just outside of um, the uh, the top thirty. So we don't know all of them yet. Well, I mean we do, but you guys don't yet. We're releasing them all. Make sure you go to uscfootball.com. You can check it out, and uh, if you're not a subscriber. Perfect time. The season's coming right up. You can subscribe for $1. For $1, you can subscribe and get a month free and get a lot of access and everything. So just no reason not to do it. Uh, ramp it up. Uh, we've had just, it's been it's been awesome. You know, the the response uh, to all of the, the news and everything that's been going on has been amazing. All the content we've been putting up. So we appreciate all of you for reading and listening, watching, all those things. 
Uh, but get it. If you're not a subscriber, you should definitely go in and do that. But uh, I'll kind of give you a quick countdown of the the players that we had listed out there. Uh, starting at number 30, we had Austin Jones, a running back. You know, someone that, uh, that you know, there's not a lot of running backs on the roster, so he's the transfer over from Stanford. Tight end Jude Wolf uh, is going to be playing that H-back role. He's been important. Wide receiver Brendan Rice. Uh, Chris, we talked about him on the podcast. A little different body style. He kind of brings something different to that receiver room. We're not sure who's going to step up there. The, the transfer cornerback, Jacoby Covington, certainly a position of need where there's not as much depth there. Uh, safety, Xavion Alford. Uh, he's shown some some great flashes. Running back, Darwin Barlow, the only running back that was left on the roster that uh, going into the spring. So he was a transfer from TCU a year before. Uh, safety, Max Williams, who probably could play nickel. Just, you know, he's been rehabbing and looking really good out there. So he's someone to watch. Uh, linebacker, Eric Gentry, you know, one of the top young linebackers in the country, coming over from Arizona State. And then just came out today, Brandon Peely, uh, the defensive lineman, USC doesn't really have a lot of bodies like that, and he can move. He's big, 360 or so, but can move. Uh, so Alex Grinch, who, as I said, ran into today, he does like uh, those big linemen that can move up front. doesn't have to be big, but linemen that can move. So a lot of times they're undersized guys, uh, but if you get a guy like Peely, he can kind of fill that role as someone that's a, even a little bigger body. But uh, I don't know, Shotgun, maybe you want to start. Um, anything stand out from you from the list we have so far or why? Maybe you think some of these guys are here. I mean, the, what stood out was compiling the list. So we took everyone's top uh, top thirty five actually, and then kind of gave them a you know ranked them one through thirty five, and you know gave them a, a number figure, compiled all of them all up, did some statistics on it, looking at it, and then Chris and I went through and debated ourselves and kind of came up with the list and moved some guys around a little bit and what we thought as we thought there were some outliers. Um, but it, it was interesting. Just the lists were very different. And, you know, and we all, anytime you put together a list like that, you're going to have some variance. Um, but there was a lot of difference even in the top five, top 10, uh, because of, you know, just the unknowns, I think, with this team. You know, how valuable is each individual position? Well, you think, hey, this guy looks like going to be the starter and he's, he should be a really good player. But do we know? Do we know what we're going to get from Shane Lee? Do we know what we're going to get? There's a lot of positions out there we don't really know. And then at the back end here, this this you know 22 through 30 where we're at, you know, there's just a lot of unknowns about position battles. I think you know, I, I think Jacoby Covington is a guy who you could look at and say, well, he could be way higher on this list if he ends up being the top cornerback. But we don't know if he's going to be the top cornerback. Is he going to come in and he's going to start? Um, you know, Chris put out his starting DBs uh, on uh, on the Peristyle a couple of days ago uh, in a thread and didn't have Jacoby Covington in there. Well, I would think Jacoby Covington would be in there, but that's what I that's my take on him from seeing him in high school going into his senior year. So not having seen a kid in two years, what is he going to look like? So there's a there's a couple of different kid, players on this list where we're wondering. What are we going to see from this player? Now, some of these guys, we saw them in spring, but other players, you know, Max Williams and Brandon Peely, both these guys are coming off season in the injuries. And what we saw, you know, in the glimpses that we saw in the spring were some positive notes. But, you know, what what are they? What kind of plays were they making? We, we heard that Max Williams was making a lot of plays, and Brandon Peely kind of came on as the, the, the spring um, progressed, going from third string to second string. But he's a guy that should be starting for you. He's a guy that needs to be a baller for USC to, you know, help them out. And if that's the case, if he is a guy that's making a lot of plays, if he, he ends up being like a Stevie Tui Kolovatu, well, his, his importance ranking is way higher than 22 on the list because of, you know, the, the – 
issues that USC has on the defensive line. So I, I think that's what you're seeing a lot so far on the, our listing is that there's just a lot of unknowns. You see the two running backs on the list. Who's going to shake out and win that backup role behind uh, Die? I think that's a big question. We kind of think that he's going to be the the starter, but who's going to get the bulk of the carries behind him? How many guys are going to get a lot of carries behind uh, Die? That those are some type of things that that went into the ranking of a lot of these. And we've had people, and we we really appreciate you guys commenting on the the tweets, commenting on the Peristyle, and telling us how wrong we are. Uh, because that's usually the responses we get uh, with these type of things. But we like to hear those as well. We want to see where your guys, you know, where you have people ranked as well. Yeah. Chris, any, uh, I know we talked about them on the podcast a little bit, but any thoughts on the the list thus far? Yeah, this list is some, This is our third time doing the list, and obviously we never get it right. But it's but it is fun to sort of just a nice, like, summer piece and off-season thing to kind of look at it and – you know, compute everyone's list and then add the human element of just kind of debating like, well, everyone had it here, but I, I just think it's a little bit higher for this person and maybe a little bit lower for that person. But I always find, Shaka, I don't know about you, but when we do this list as as we're doing this third one, I think we're, we play it a little bit more conservative just because, especially with this list, because there is so many transfers and so many guys that we just don't know, as as you mentioned, you know, it's a new defense, it's a new offense, you know, there's some stars on this team, you know, like a Caleb Williams or Travis Dye, but we just don't know what it's all going to look like coming off a 4-8 and eight season, new culture, team chemistry, so I think we played it a little bit more conservative in trying to maybe not over-inflate someone we think could have a really big season, but because we just don't know. I think Jacoby is a very good example of this because he's a guy who's, who's obviously coming in in the summer, we didn't see him in the, in the spring at all. And, you know, he was a safety out of high school. And he could be a safety on this on this defense uh, when summer camp starts. We, we just don't know. But we project him as a cornerback. And I think that's kind of why he has a little more value on this list. Because cornerback, as we saw when Makai Blackman went down, super young, super untested out there outside of you know, Blackman and his experience and his starts that he had at Colorado. And I'm not saying Jacoby is just as experienced as him. He's not. He doesn't have a single start to his name, but he is an older player. And I think they need some of that older leadership in there, even if it's a guy who's just two years into college. Uh, but right now, it's basically all projections for Jacoby. I don't know some guys on our list, we had him a lot higher than uh, what he ended up at 23, 24, whatever. I'm not sure. But you know, that's a guy that's just, I don't know, you know, he could end up being a top 15 player or he could be off the list when we go back and retool the list to look at it. Maybe he's just the guy who's a depth player. Uh, maybe he's in the two deep for a cornerback or maybe he's uh, a safety rotational, that six man safety. I just don't know. Um, so time will tell with this, with this list. So I think in that regard, we kind of played it a little bit more conservative and not sort of going all in for someone that we really, really thought highly of and try to go with the sh more sure bets, you know, like putting a guy like Jordan Addison obviously so high or a guy like Caleb Williams so high. Those are guys that, you know, we feel pretty good about being ballers and having massive, massive impact. But there's some other guys, some depth guys that maybe they're a backup or maybe they're a starter. I think it's a fine line for a lot of these guys, and we won't know until we see camp. Um, so I think that's, that's sort of the way this list went, especially with transfers. Yeah. Uh, I mean – Half the list, you don't even, they've never played for USC before, but they've played college football. So it's like, okay, where do we put them? You know, so it's, it wasn't easy. 
some guys, you know, we've seen a, a lot of tape on. Some guys we've seen them play against USC, like Eric Gentry. Other guys like Co Covington, you know, we haven't seen. You know, he didn't play a ton at Washington. Uh, so, you know, from what we've seen him in high school, I think he could come in and start. But, you know, where, how much has Joshua Jackson Jr. developed? How much is Prophet Brown developed? Those are things that we don't really, you know, have a full uh, grasp of because we didn't see any competitive periods in the spring, I think. I think that hurts our knowledge on this list a little bit as well. So I think, as Chris is saying, we're a little bit more conservative and going with the guys who we've seen produce already in the college level. Um, you know, even a guy like Brandon Peely, like I said, he could be way higher on this list, but also it's the unknown. You know, are we going to get – you're going to get that 2019 Brandon Peely where he was a really an impact guy for USC? Or, you know, he could have been he could have been out of college after 2020. You know, if he had a successful season in 2020, maybe he go. You know, he thinks you know I spent four years and I go to uh, to the NFL uh, and go look at my options there. Whereas now he's a six year senior, so you're looking at a guy that two years ago was on a completely different path, and now you know what does he have to to give after an Achilles tendon? We we don't know you know what exactly he looks like besides the little snippets that we saw during you know the spring game itself. So there's a lot of just kind of unknowns because of one the roster turnover. Yes. But two, some of the guys that are coming back, you know, that they're, they're returning from injuries or, you know, one of the big things that went into this list is, you know, the depth of position, you know, wide receiver. We, we got a lot of confidence in the wide receiver group that it's going to be pretty deep this year compared to last year in particular, but you look at the running backs and they become more valuable because there's only four guys. And so now if somebody goes down, you you know, you get you get that thinning out process because you always get a, a running back or two injured, uh, and hopefully it's nothing serious. But, you know, that makes it hard to decide, you know, do I put the running backs a little bit higher than the offensive linemen? You know, we have confidence in six offensive linemen, but not really much after that. So that maybe make the, makes the offensive linemen that much more important. So there, there's some different things that went into the, the list that way. So uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying it. We want to see what you, your guys' opinions of the list and what your list are uh, when we finish it as well uh, as we go through it day by day here. Yeah. A uh, little other newsy items. Um, UNLV is now on the USC football schedule, becoming the Coliseum. In 2027. So, you know, there'll, there'll be USC's, what, third year in the Big Ten by then? Um, probably going to need some more home games with all the travel that's going to be going on. So I don't know if that's not much of a big deal, but, you know, I, I, you're hoping they're going to get to the point where you don't have to announce games like 10 years out. Like just like they start scheduling things like we did during the pandemic, which was kind of fun. But that one was uh, put on the schedule, which, you know, makes some sense. And, and hopefully UNLV gets a little bit better as a program. You know, they have not been very good the last few years. So, uh, or for a while, actually, unfortunately. So hopefully they can start building that program up a little bit. Uh, it just, it, it's been a struggle for them, even though they've got some nice facilities and stuff, they just built a new football facility. So hopefully that helps them get some more recruits and whatnot. And, you know, to, that you have a more quality opponent besides, you know, that's kind of right now that, UNLV is kind of an FCS opponent. So, you know, if you're looking at it, if it was a schedule for this year, that's a rice this year. Yeah. You know, teams that aren't – they're FBS teams that are at FCS levels right now. So, you know, teams that you can beat up on that are great opening game for a Lincoln Riley offense and, you know, trying to impress fans, uh, but not something that's going to really prepare you for a Big Ten schedule that you're going to be facing. Yeah. Uh, it puts a respect on future. Still sounds weird. Still sounds weird. Put some respect on future Pac-12 member UNLV. Oh. Quite possible. Quite possible. 
Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing too, with all the scheduling, we just don't know what, like the big 10 could have 20 teams by then. And they just go to all conference. I mean, who knows, you know, like, uh, Notre Dame could end up being a conference game at some point, and then you got to find more non-conference games because that was the yeah. So there's there's so much kind of changing. The whole college football world is changing. So uh, when when this was announced, I'm like, all right, what what you know, five years from now, like the college football has changed, the sport has changed so much in the last year. It's hard to imagine, you know, five years from now, like guys, the recruits are going to be like leaving. You know, the recruits that are coming in will be gone by then. So I don't. know. It's kind of weird. When you think about it and that that's, way, yeah. That's why the scheduling of games, you know, 10 years in advance, five years in advance is just like – and half, half the time – not half the time, but some of the times those games get broken too. They're just like, ah, eh, we're not going to play this anymore. We got a marquee game like the LSU uh, game in Vegas, the U.S. You know, you know, some teams will break contracts and say, oh, we'd rather play this, you know, big market, uh, big money game instead of playing this, uh, this, you know, team that we can beat up on. So uh, we'll see if that game gets played. And what both of those teams look like, what conferences they're in uh, when we get to it in 2027. Yeah, we could ask some of like the class of 2024 guys that are committed. Like, so what do you think about UNLV on the schedule? Get to play them your senior year or whatever, you know? That's <laughs> like, okay, whatever. Um, I, I mean, look, the Branch the Branch brothers are probably excited about it. Yeah. If they're, if they're still around. I don't think I mean, they will be. I, yeah, like, probably not. That's what were you saying, Chris? If they're too. I said I look forward to us the, the night before the LSU kickoff game. Us in the casino playing blackjack. Oh yeah! In the morning, I look forward to it. I look forward to it. <laughs> I heard about your big winnings there, Chris. Chris did good. Yeah, I hope that I can stay hot until twenty twenty four. Yeah, <laughs> keep 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 it rolling in. He did good. We were in Vegas. Um, okay, so kind of just when we wanted to get to the topics too. We're going to try to keep this to an hour, but we wanted to get to a bunch of questions. Um, if you haven't seen, we had a new little system to put up comments for some reason the youtube version isn't working and when i was, I was trying some of the Tight. the facebook ones i know we'll see we'll, we'll get it working again we haven't done a show like this for a while um i'll try but it was like making them like kind of weird let's see if it works oh it looks like it's working now um so this is from uh donnell uh dj smith what do you guys think about uh so this is from facebook so we, our facebook comments are working so if you're on facebook you want to put comments up we can put them up on the screen uh, just not the YouTube ones for today, but we can read the YouTube ones to you guys. Uh, what do you think about the dirt about USC? So there was a there was a rumor going around that Jordan Addison wasn't happy. He wanted to get out, and I think it was on some of the Texas boards. He tweeted, "What was what was his tweet, Chris? It was something like, like you know, looking forward to on September third or yeah." So didn't look like there was much um, meat to anything like that. We haven't heard anything about him being uh, upset about that kind of stuff. So any thoughts, guys, on that one or? Well, there was also a rumor along with that rumor that he wasn't enrolled yet, which is just, he is enrolled. He's, you see him in the workout videos, right? Yeah. It's like rumors just starting for the sake of starting rumors. Yeah. So I yeah, if he wasn't, he wasn't enrolled, he wouldn't be able to work out. We saw that with Stevie Tui Kolovatu. You know, he wasn't able to work out with the team. We saw him come to a couple of the workouts just to kind of meet his, his teammates and stuff, but wasn't able to actually do anything. So seeing him in those videos tells you Jordan Addison is indeed enrolled. But, you know, I just it's annoying to me when people start putting links on our message boards and stuff from places like Bro Bible and that are just taking one little uh, snippet from, you know, it's Somebody's basically tweet somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. That you're, you're, you're basically what's the. Uh, What's the account that uh, spawned all the Texas A&M, you know, oh, rumors? Uh, 
something bread. Uh, was it or no? Was it the something one that, bread? Yeah. Oh, what was it? The it one started, Jimbo Fisher mentioned about it. I forget what it's like. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's sliced bread. Sliced getting, bread, right? Yeah. Was it sliced bread? Yes, exactly. Sliced okay. bread started a rumor, and suddenly, you know, Jimbo Fisher's having to answer things at press <laughs> conferences. It's like can we can we get a little bit more credible sources here, guys. There's a reason why there's some really good college football reporters out there. And if none of them are saying it, you know, where did you see, you know, any of the, the national guys mentioning $3 million for Jordan Addison? No, but it just kept coming up on Twitter over and over because right. of who? No one knows. It's just a, a rumor that spawned and suddenly people wanted – and it went from $2 million to two and a half to $3 million. Suddenly, you know, people just throwing numbers out there. You know, I, well, I heard it might have been $6 million. Who knows? Now they're giving him a house in Malibu. It was like, what are you guys talking about here? It this happened is with not Lincoln, what's going on. Yeah, it happened with Lincoln Riley's contract too. Like someone put these details out, and you're like, they didn't buy out his house. Like we don't know the details of his contract, but all this stuff was just kind of just pretty silly. But what's it? Someone throws it out there, and then people just kind of run with it. Like they ask you questions about it, you know? It's like, and especially when people are angry, those rumors tend to be oh, yeah. uh, you know verified in their mind much quicker because you want to uh, believe you, know, you want to believe that that's yeah, the only reason. And, yeah. And you see a lot of this actually with like the parody accounts, you know, that the will get people and, you know, the, like there was one about LeBron James. There's one about John Morant talking about Michael Jordan and neither one of the quotes was true, but people jump on it because they want to be quick to be angry about defending Michael Jordan or, you know, or hating on LeBron James, those type things. So those things seem to matriculate a lot quicker when those, th when, uh, when someone is emotional about it. So it's a lot of people that are angry often uh, and they're, spreading those after they see something they're quick to put it back out there again we're um i don't know guys sliced bread been around quite a long time he's been around yeah <laughs> someone put it in the facebook comments sliced bread uh we don't talk a ton of recruiting on the show we kind of keep to generalities and stuff chris and uh, gerard do a great you know the two-star recruiting podcast like they're doing a great job with that if you and want to check I'm, that out i'm gonna get shotgun on oh, you gotta he, get shotgun he, he was on. supposed to he was supposed to be out when he came out here but Two hours and 45 minutes, the last two shows. So they're long. There's a lot, a lot of recruiting stuff. But this is the big topic that everyone talks about. So I'm going to put it up there on the screen. Uh, Elvira, nice. Uh, Lincoln Riley has clearly been successful in recruiting the skill positions. But why not the offensive linemen? What do you, you want to start, Chris? Or do you... Not really, because I've, I've talked about it ad nauseum the last two weeks on the podcast. So this is all the shotgun. This it's is all the shotgun. It's, a shotgun can go, give his thoughts on it. But I've literally done back-to-back, two-and-a-half-hour, two-hour and 45-minute two podcast after Francis Maoyoga and then after Lucas Simmons, both spur USC for a couple of Florida schools. So I am well-versed in this this uh, Okay this talking point among USC fans and recruiting. So if Shaka wants to give his thoughts on it, I will chime in after that, but I am not leading another discussion on USC O-line recruiting. Okay. <laughs> One, you got to prove, you got to prove your development. You know, obviously Josh Henson did a really nice job at Texas A&M. You know, that's a, a great place to start, but what's it going to look like in Lincoln Riley's offense? I know you're going to want to see recruits are going to want to see that. They want to see USC win. And a lot of these recruits that USC is trying to pull right now are guys that are across the country. Now, Simmons and Maui Yoga, uh, you know, are, are different in a way because they are both in Florida and they are playing their high school ball there. 
but they're from different parts of the from the world, actually, not even from the country, uh, being from Samoa and being from Sweden. So it makes it a little bit different. But when you're trying to pull high-end guys from across the country, you've got to be able to prove it on the field. And, you know, that's why USC is not in the mix for a ton of, you know, top 10, top 15 guys in the 2023 class, you know, and being able to get those commitments. Whereas the top 20, the 2024 class, USC might have a much better chance because, you know, they're in the mix for those guys are building those relationships. And now if you can show that you can win on the field and maybe you can even try to flip guys at the end. Uh, so that plays into it. There's a little bit of NIL that's playing into it as well. We all know that, uh, but it, it comes down to, you know, being able to prove it on the field, I think I think that's the biggest thing. And you know, once USC does that, then they can start you know trying to build uh, build up for the future. But it's a big problem for USC, and I know everyone is you know wondering why this is happening. But it is a big problem. I understand why all the USC fans are getting angered by this because this is what five, six years now. I think this will be the this I think this will be the fifth or sixth year where USC has missed out on their top offensive line uh, targets. Since the, I think it's the 2017 class is when they got Austin Jackson, Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, Brett Nelon, terrific class, Jalen McKenzie. But since then, what has USC done with the offensive line recruiting? They got Justin Dieters the next season. That's a solid pickup. But he's, and then Vorhe, I mean, uh, excuse me, then Monheim was the, the next four-star. And he wasn't, in a, he wasn't a composite four-star, I don't believe. So, uh, you know, that's, that's where USC's offensive line, I mean, uh, whether – struggles have been is they haven't been able to build the classes and stack them together and you know success begets success so if USC has success on the field I think you'll see more success with them recruiting and whatnot going forward yep uh and remember right. kids don't sign in July true they sign in December I think, and, and when it the is dust, when July the, when the dust settles and USC you know won 10 games or went to the Pac-12 championship or whatever they're going to be in a much better position to sign some big time linemen or possibly flip, you know, a guy like, I think if you're going to play for a flip, it has to be with Lucas Simmons, you know, Florida state, uh, coach Norvell, you know, he's a little bit, you know, moving towards that hot seat. If they have another, yeah. you know, They're not moving towards it. They were, he was on it this year. They were looking at, will he stay or will he not stay? So, you know, again, this is the same, you know, same issue that USC ran to. Can you close classes when your coaches, you know, when people are talking about, is that coach even going to be there next year? We right. saw that last year, you know, with guys like Michael Williams. You know, imagine how much better the USC defensive line would look right now if you have a five-star guy there uh, that you're bringing in as a true freshman instead of having to bring all these other pieces in from the uh, from the transfer portal that haven't been ultra-successful guys at college so far. So, you know, he's, he's, on the, he's not a, nearing the hot seat. He's definitely there. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, we had another Facebook question from Tony. Tony. Thanks, thanks Tony. Uh, are you guys worried about the offense or defensive lines this season? <laughs> Uh, this is about the lines. Now, I think one of the the narratives, and I get this a lot when you do like radio interviews and people will say like, USC's offensive line is going to be terrible. Shotgun will tell you how many snaps they have. They have like a million. Like there's, you know, the the first six, seven guys you should feel pretty strong about. Will Bobby Haskins uh, be able to to start? Like a lot of people think he can. He did at Virginia. What about uh, Cooper Lovelace? I mean, he's, you know, the JC kid coming in that looks really good. I think, I think you're going to end up having like seven, eight guys that you feel really comfortable with. I think there's concern long-term, but I don't think you should have concern with the offensive line this year. And the defensive line, you know, they added some pieces there. You get Brandon Peely back, like we talked about. Tuli Tuli Pelotu's got a lot of potential. I think it's not necessarily defensive line. It's probably more about just d- the defensive front in general and what you know what is, how different it's going to be when they were historically bad last year. Um, I think this is a little overblown. I think there's more concern on the defensive side with the front seven than USC's offensive line, but... Yeah, the offensive line got a lot better last year. You remember two years ago, they were really terrible, third and short, fourth and short. They bring in Clay McGuire, who was like a spread offensive line coach in a spread system for the first time. And lo and behold, they were like better at it. Um, so I wouldn't be as concerned about the offensive line. There's definitely more concern for the defensive side. But either one of you guys want to chime in, go right ahead. The concern for me is just strictly depth, as you sort of mentioned. Like once you get past you know, Jonah Monheim as, you know, I'm just inserting him as my sixth man off the bench with those other five guys, you know, it falls off the cliff. There's not a lot of starting experience. There's not a lot. There's no, you know, five-star guy waiting in the wings. There's no blue chip top 100 guy, four-star guy waiting in the wings. Cooper Lovelace, I feel like, might have to play a bigger role than you would normally want him to play. You know, he does have college experience. It comes at a JUCO level and a pretty high JUCO level out there in that Kansas JUCO scene. But he's a raw guy. You know, he started playing high school football his senior year. And he's good frame, six foot five, 300, 310 pounds. And he's a guy I think is going to play your backup interior guard spot. And he could be a guy that has to play this season, even though in an ideal situation, he takes that year to develop and get used to you know, division one football, power five football. But in this scenario with this USC offensive line and this roster and this unit, he's going to have to probably be a backup, a direct backup. And I think that's the worry. You get two injuries on that offensive line. It gets real dicey. And me and Chalkin have talked about this, you know, we're on, we're on phone calls or over text or whatever we, we talk about. And he's mentioned several times injuries on the offensive line happen. So you USC, I don't think, is prepared to handle a lot of injuries on the offensive line. And I think that is the biggest worry. I'm fine with the guys they have at that top six. I think they're going to be a really good offensive line. Arguably, I could see them being among the best in the Pac-12, if not the best in the Pac-12. Defensive line, you know, I think they really wanted to get another impactful interior defensive lineman out of the transfer portal. That That did not end up happening, but I think they have enough to get through with the season. Again, Injuries, that could be a real issue, but Tuli Tupelotu, stud. Uh, All-American potential. Nick Figueroa, healthy, all-Pac-12 potential. Brandon Peely, if he's, you know, playing at a Peely level, you know, pre-Achilles heel injury, solid, I think. And they have some guys that can play around, you know. You're hoping that a guy like, you know, 
I'm blanking on the two guys. Shotgun, help me. The two redshirt freshmen. Uh, you're talking about Kobe Pepe? Kobe Pepe. You're talking about yes. Jamar Sakona? Jamar Sakona. That's exactly – that's why Shotgun's uh, my guy. Uh, helium boys for life. Uh, those two guys, you know, you really want those guys to take a step. I think a lot of people are forgetting about them with all the movement in the transfer portal. Obviously, you got a guy like Solomon Bird who can come in there. A lot of sacks to his name, former freshman All-American. They have enough to get by. You wish you had a little bit more impact, but – you know, there's there's some interesting options, you know, in there with you know Earl Barquette, Tyrone Teleni, who's also a raw prospect, but they have some some guys that really need to step up, and if they step up, I think they'll be okay. I think they can get through, you know, this 2022 season. But those will be my biggest worries is depth with both of those sides. Yeah, and I think the futures you worry about too, because if you're not recruiting offensive line well right now, I mean, a lot of those guys are going to leave. You should feel pretty good about 2022, but beyond, that's uh, I think there's some questions there. Um, let's get to some uh, YouTube questions. Shotgun was putting some in the uh, the doc there. Tim wants to know: Do you think that the Big t- uh, Big Ten contracts? Close your eyes, Chris. Right? Does he maybe maybe close your ears or like put your finger? I don't know. Uh, before it takes more teams, uh, do you think they will contract? Uh, so Oregon, Washington, Stanford. That so what he means is: Do you think they're going to jettison some of the the weaker teams? And I think he's insinuating that Maryland would be one of them, uh, you know, for to add teams. What's his name? Uh, Tim. Listen up, Tim. <laughs> I hope you're watching right now. Look me right in the eye, Tim, like a man. You want that Washington DMV market. So why don't you sit back and chill out? Yeah. I, the contraction <laughs> thing is going to be interesting because, like, these are going to grow. But there's going to be a point where – do you want all the teams in your conference to be big brands? And what happens to does Vanderbilt go away? And a lot of these sports, I mean, a lot of these programs do what like Vanderbilt wins baseball national championships, right? I mean, Maryland used to be good at stuff back in the day. All right, know? all right. We just won. <laughs> we just won the Big Ten baseball conference, and we just won the Natty for men's lacrosse. And our women's were right on the verge of going to the national championship nice. in women's lacrosse. So why don't you chill out? Yeah, but that is a that, I mean, Tim I, is I a believe, real thing. Oh, go ahead. I believe that was the first uh, baseball conference championship in um, like forty years, something like that, for Maryland. But but bad. the program's heading in the right direction. Really good coach and Rob Vaughn. They just extended him. They're investing Ten, some money in the program. So. And Big Ten's bad at baseball anyway. So like Maryland <laughs> should win it, right? Like it's just you know there's. Shaka There's no one consistently great in the Big Ten. Shaka, help right. me out. Shaka, help me. Yeah. But, no, there's but that not, is a question, I don't think right? there's going to be a contraction. I don't yeah. think that there will be um, because I, I was asked this by someone, in, a Missouri fan, and they were like, do you think we're going to get left out? You know, as I think that as these go towards the super conferences, the fact that those teams are in already, I think that, you know, it's going to be very difficult to kind of push people out. Uh, because I, then I think the conference has to pay out some money to, towards the schools to do that. I would think, uh, similar to the the grant, the was it the land or the grant of rights that uh, teams have to pay out to get out of the agreements that they're in. So I don't think that you're going to see that. I think as it goes towards the the super conferences, I think you'll see, uh, the, especially the Big Ten is is trying to just be very selective right now. You know, just make sure that you're getting the teams, which is why you know Oregon is a school that is on that fringe and people were wondering will the Big Ten seriously even consider them I think they want to take Notre Dame and then they want to 
pick and choose. Do we want Washington and Stanford? Do we want Oregon? Do we want to add someone from some other part of the country? And I think that becomes an interesting thing. Like I said earlier, on my initial thoughts of the conference alignment, I think it makes sense the most for the Big Ten to eventually get to, uh, you know, having you know, four to six teams on the West Coast. So you have that West division. So it just makes a lot of things easier for the for UCLA, for USC. And, you know, especially because you can – corner some significant markets with, you know, with Stanford, with Washington, potentially if you were looking at teams like Colorado or Utah as well, those are some big time markets that you can get uh, to add to what, what the big 10 already has. We had a, uh, just a, before I move on, I just want to apologize to Tim. I lost my cool there. You seem like a very nice fellow. <laughs> Tim, I'm sure Tim appreciates your, your passion there. Uh, we had a couple of baseball questions. Um, Roman 388. Uh, now that Lincoln Riley's a coach, I'm more interested in USC baseball. So I guess having a better football coach makes him more interested in baseball. <laughs> Want to get your thoughts on the new baseball coach and how baseball recruiting works. And Big T37 wants to know your honest assessment of the base, baseball hires. A good hire, bad, or underwhelming? Are you surprised we missed on top target? So give a shock on the floor for baseball, which he's going to love. Let's start with the second one first. I am a little surprised that they missed out. Uh, they tried, They offered the job to Andrew Checkets. I heard it was very close, as in, like, bring your real estate uh agent to work type of close. Um, you know, I, I think it, the USC was really close there with Jackets, but ultimately he's a family guy. He's got, a, he's got a, a three kids. So being able to walk them to school and then walk to the ballpark is something that was not going to be able to happen at USC, which he can do in Santa Barbara. So I think that comfort level was something. So actually the city of LA, I think I heard some similar things with Troy Tulowitzki that the city of LA was actually a detractor in this hire in those for those first couple of, uh, of candidates so a little bit surprising there but i think usc got a great coach in andy stakewitz he's proven what he can do at grand canyon that place was absolutely nothing he built that from nothing i mean they were a division two school they weren't any good um and then he turned them into a good division two school took them to the college world series there and then they transitioned to division one couldn't be in the postseason either their conference tournament or the ncaa tournament for four years but they were still really good, and he challenged his team. They went to places like Oklahoma State. They went to places uh, across the country for these big series because he wanted them to have that experience that they wouldn't be able to play in the postseason, and he develops players. And that's the, been the biggest issue with USC the last 15 years that they've struggled is the development of players. They get good recruits. Everyone wants to talk about how difficult it is it to get. USC has gotten a number of you know, high school All-Americans to come to USC. But they haven't all. They rarely have turned into, you know, consistently turned into all Americans at the college level. That's been the big issue. So he's a guy that has proven that he can turn, you know, so they can find guys uh, that are undervalued coming out of high school, and then also turn them into stars at Grand Canyon. They've had a number of draft picks. USC, the MLB draft is going on right now. USC did not have a pick in the first round. Once again, it has been since 2009 that USC had a player selected in the first round. And they have had players that coming out of high school could have potentially been first-round picks but decided to go to USC and did not develop at the rate that they needed to become first-round picks coming out of college. So that's the biggest area of growth that USC could have. So I'm, I'm high, very high on that. I think Andy Stankwitz is a great guy. I, you know, I put together the article of all the coaches on the West Coast. I reached out to basically every every head coach and a number of assistant coaches on the West Coast asking what their opinion of the hire was. And I think you saw that if you, you were able to read that uh, story on our site, 
how much everyone you know thinks uh, how highly every other coach that he faces his peers his opponents think of Andy Stankiewicz and he is the guy that you know there's a, a couple of candidates you know Andy uh, Andrew Checkett's at UC Santa Barbara there were a couple other candidates that were that were mentioned that were a part of the process three years ago when USC made a hire. And Andy Stankiewicz is the guy who probably raised his profile the most in the last three years by taking Grand Canyon to their first uh, NCAA tournament bid two years ago and by this year uh, by taking them and getting an at-large bid. First time the WAC has had an at-large bid in in over a decade and you know just dominated, went to places like Oklahoma State and, and, and won there, went to places, you know, beat Stanford, beat Arizona, beat Arizona State, you know, at, at one point, you could say that they're the best program in Arizona, and that is saying something because Arizona State has such a rich history of baseball as well, and Arizona's been in the College World Series multiple times in the last five, ten years. So, you know, they have done uh, – they, they did a tremendous job there. Uh, it's unfortunate for USC they couldn't bring over a couple of those players because Grant Canyon did a great job of hiring one of his assistants, Greg Wallace, who I think will do a great job there as well. But, you know, Jacob Wilson is probably going to be a first-round pick next year, if not the first college player selected next year. And he's a kid that, you know, it was at Grand Canyon this year and will be there next year as well. So, you know, I think Andy Stankiewicz could be a tremendous hire for USC and could really turn the program around uh, in the direction it should be. And I talked with him this past week. You know the, about some of the the things, and he was really sold on the what USC uh, was was telling him they were going to do the the steps that they were going to take to help try to put this program back in the direction, and how invested they were. And I heard the same thing from other coaches in the search that they came away really impressed with the administration at USC and how determined they seemed to be to make USC a great program again. All right, you got your baseball uh, update there from Shotgun, so thanks uh, for that one. Uh, we'll do a few more. Uh, Daniel wants to know, do you see Raylick Brown uh, having immediate impact as a true freshman? What do you guys I think? think? So. I think so. I had him on my top 30 list because of that. I think he's a guy that comes in and he, just, he has that electricity. That's the word every time I talk about him that I mention. He's a guy when the ball gets in his hands, special things happen. He makes he make he can catch the ball in the backfield. He makes every linebacker look silly in any one on one route that he runs, um, which is a very difficult cover for any linebacker. But he makes them look silly at times, um, and then, you know he can make linebackers look silly as he's running through the hole as well on a carry. So I think he's a guy that you know because of his offensive ability and his playmaking ability, they will find a way to get the ball in his hands, and, and he'll make some things happen this year. What do you think, Chris? Immediate impact. Yeah, I mean, it's just tough because of those older guys that are already there in yeah. terms of, you know, Austin Jones, Darren Barlow, uh, Travis Dye. But Shotgun did uh, sort of sell me on Relique Brown kind of being a guy they could use because obviously he is a dynamic weapon and USC didn't have a lot of dynamic players on the roster when Lincoln Riley took over. Obviously, that's changed a, uh, a lot of it uh, with the transfer portal, but... Relic's a guy who, you know, Lincoln made him a priority when he was recruiting Oklahoma. So, you know, it 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 it's uh, the assumption is, you know, he's got plans for him in this offense and to use him in a multitude of ways, being a guy who can play the slot, play out of the backfield, motion him out, do whatever you have to do to get him the ball with his hands because that's kind of a player he is. And Shotgun also pointed out, you know, he could be a guy on kickoff return and pump return, uh, you know, two areas True. that USC hasn't really had super – big impact uh over the last couple of seasons so you know 
I think you I think you'll see Relique find a way to get on the field at some point this season. Hopefully it's not because of injuries at the running back position, but he has a special skill set that fits really well with what Lincoln wants to do with his offense. Yeah. Uh, we're all close on the top of the hour, so I'll try to do some of these. Um, I know Shotgun's put a few more in. We'll do some rapid-fire ones. Kings fan, have you guys seen emergency podcasts all over the place uh, the last two weeks? I know you've been doing them for a while. You're the first. It's a good question. We were one of the first. I mean, there weren't a lot of sports podcasts out there when I started this in 2008. <laughs> and we definitely, you know, so we've been doing it a long time. We're, you know, no one does as many, like, you know, certainly USC podcasts. We're, you know, we'll do four or five a week sometimes. So we could do a lot, a lot of shows. I, we're up. I would say we're up there. I mean, I don't I remember seeing a lot of podcasts, the emergency podcasts, but we've been doing them for a while. So I don't know. Do you guys see a bunch, or do you guys? Shotgun doesn't listen to podcasts, so yeah, uh, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, uh, Carnage for Justin. Do you think USC will make the playoffs this year? Yes or no? No. 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 Andrew, will follow that up. Will the Trojans win the Pac-12 this season? Maybe. That's a maybe yeah. for sure. I think it's a good maybe. I think they can make the Pac-12 championship for sure. Yeah. I, just, I mean, the big wild card is, is how good is Utah? You know, can USC get over, a, get past Utah? And, yeah. you know, with the schedule playing at Utah, I, I think they have the advantage there in the South. I think I think Utah has the advantage, but once they change the rule, I think I think USC will be the second best team in the conference, and then by the end of the year, they'll they'll still have more talent than Utah. They'd have a chance to play Utah in Vegas. Now, Utah went to Vegas and just just destroyed Oregon, and they had like eighty percent of the stadium, so it could still be like a road game. But that's a, it would at least be a second shot to try to beat Utah, you know. So yeah, I I think they got a decent chance, but I, I would still I'm picking Utah to win the South. I mean, win the the conference this year. Uh, he wanted to know, does USC have the best receiving core in the country? Uh, no, like no Ohio state, probably. Um, no, Ohio state. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, yeah. When you lose, basically they had like two Drake London's and they didn't play in the bowl game. And they had another guy that looked more Drake London, than Drake London, you know? So who was the dude? Harrison's son, Marvin Harrison's son, Marvin Harrison jr. I think, but there was and the other Jack, guy that was the Smith Smith in Jigba. Yeah. That guy went, he, they're number one. Yeah, he had like a zillion yards against Utah. Um, which he, is he would have been the number one receiver picked before Drake London this year. Most, most scouts think that. Um, so that's how good he is. And then you had Marvin Harrison in the Rose Bowl show up, and you know I think he caught two touchdown passes as well. So I, I think it's still them. Um, and then after and the that, the recruits they got coming in too are just like ridiculous. So yeah, so and they've got yeah. some guys like like G Scott from Washington that you know hasn't got a chance to play, but. Uh, he moved the tight end. He might have moved the tight end. He's an absolute dog when I saw him. Oh my god, you know, I love seven him. on seven. So yes. you know, that's a guy who hasn't got a chance to play yet. So they they've just continued. Brian Hartline is one of the best Brian Hartline is the Dante Williams of wide receivers. Yeah. You know, Dante Williams gets cornerbacks that you're like, why how is USC in the mix for that guy at all with the way they played? Um, and Brian Hartline with a team that's being successful. So what you see uh, at Ohio State, what their receivers do. That's what USC's cornerbacks will do under Dante Williams if USC has success. You know yeah. they'll have five star after five star after five star because those, those that's the type of recruiter that both of those guys are. Yeah, um, and then Andrew also wanted to know what game will be the most. Oh, tell us the most about the team this season. Um, I thought that's interesting. Mm, that's a it good question. It depends where. Like you sort of have to say like for the first four games, what are you going to learn the most out of? You know, because like. 
you mean the last game? You learn more the later in the season, you know. But like the Utah one's very important. But do you learn as much going on the road to Salt Lake City? Like, um, I don't think Stanford's going to be very good. It. I would probably go early season, like how do they play at Oregon State? That would probably be the one that I would look at the most. Like, I'm not going to look at second half of the season stuff because you're trying to learn about this team and still have a bunch of season left. Um, so I'd probably go Oregon State on the road. Like, how do they play in that environment? Oregon State fans are not going to be happy with USC. Any any road game is not going to be very friendly now that USC is leaving. So what, what do you guys think? I see the argument for Oregon State and... I will say that's that's a good pick, but I still think it's Utah for me because Utah is the best team you're going to face on your schedule until Notre Dame. That is your like true yeah. test. That is your true like okay, culture building, team chemistry. You know, are we physical enough? Have we all the things that were issues last year? It's all going to come to head right here on the road in a place we traditionally struggle in, and it's the first you know real big road game for Lincoln Riley at USC. And there's a good chance USC is undefeated going to that game. There's a strong possibility. And I think if Utah, you know, if is doing what we think they're going to do after last season defending the Pac-12, they could also be undefeated. You know, I think they have a really tough schedule early. I think they go to the Swamp or something, right? They're going to game. Utah coach. opens the season, yeah, yeah. Florida, at Florida. I mean, I don't think Florida is... Florida's going under their change as well, so Utah could absolutely take that game and be undefeated you know that that might be a college game day at some point yeah. so i think you're going in there you know we're going to learn a little bit about the scene those those first six games but going to utah on the road defending pac championship I'm sure it's going to be a night game i think that's going to tell you everything you need to know about this team moving into the back half of the schedule if it's a close game you know they lose by a touchdown you know that's a strong case you know usc you know they can win this pac-12 they they took a loss there to utah with the with the the going away of the divisions, you know that doesn't that doesn't ax them out of making it to the championship. They can still go on and get some momentum, but you know that's a game USC has struggled in. But if if USC comes out there and wins, or even you know it's a close loss, I think a lot of people will be like, yeah, USC might be legit in terms of you know being able to get to the Pac-12 championship, win the Pac-12 championship, and probably can probably go toe-to-toe with Notre Dame at the end of the season, which is saying a lot considering how bad this team was last year and, you know, only won four games. But I think that is going to be the one for me that's like, all right, you've done all this work, you've won, maybe you're undefeated going to this point, but what if you want to, you know, you have these aspirations of, you know, maybe competing for a Pac-12 championship or going to the college football play of the season, which, as crazy as it sounds, it's possible – this game is going to tell us what we need to know. Yeah. Hey, quick shot. Chris, Chris, Chris out, outlined a lot of great stuff there. The answer is Utah. I think that the most important thing that he just kind of touched on is the culture building and stuff. When you go on the road, as, as you said, Ryan, any road game is going to be a hostile environment this year. But you go to Salt Lake City, that place is already mm-hmm. wild. And the now must. you add in you add in all those factors that just Chris just said, the potential of game day, all that. You know the hype that they'll have this season coming off that Rose Bowl appearance last year. You know that place is going to be absolutely bananas. And then you factor in the culture building, you factor in the weight, all the stuff that's going on right now in the summer will show up one way or the other. It'll show up that you didn't do enough, or that USC it could be a team that you know we got to keep an eye on the rest of the season. So right. Utah is definitely the answer there. Yeah. 
Truck Ranger wanted to know, where's Nicole? Sorry if I missed it. Um, yeah, so Nicole, uh, congratulations to her. She's working at Channel 6 in uh, Waco, Texas. She'll be covering Baylor, working the news desk there. So uh, she's got a real job. She graduated. So we're, you know, we're kind of figuring out some staffing stuff uh, right now for, you know, we got the three of us here, but we'll uh, we'll be adding some more uh, faces and, and names you can see on the website uh, going forward. So make sure you check that out. I'm being replaced. Yeah, hopefully. No, I'm just kidding. Chris, you're irreplaceable, Chris. We can't. You got the tattoo, man. You can't go anywhere. I uh, also want to know why is Herm Edwards still coaching at Arizona State? Well, it's his buddy and agent hired him, and then Michael Crow, the president, hired him, and he's the worst. And he said three years ago that wait till you see what the Pac 12 does. We're going to be passing everybody, and uh, obviously not. The Pac 12 was getting destroyed. So because they had that relationship, was- could Herm be fired midseason? In season, I think I think it can't just be Herm. Like you know, they fired a bunch of the staff because that's what you had to do. I think I think it's going to have to be Ray Anderson. Like there's going to have to be like mass leadership change at Arizona State. There should be, um, but yeah. One more one more thing on Utah um, because there's two more seasons that everyone's going to be that USC and UCLA are going to be in the Pac-12. This will be the last road trip that USC makes to Salt Lake City as well. Yeah. Unless they change now, it's possible they change the schedule because of the non divisions in twenty twenty four. But I wouldn't, you know, I, I don't think that they'll flip the uh, the home away for the South teams at least. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, Daniel wants to know. I'm hearing there might be an issue with UCLA at least going to the Big Ten. How much teeth is there on that? So if you like the UC Board of Regents uh, is going to meet about it. The governor chimed in on it. I think it's more just political puffing. Um, I don't think there's any issues with that from the people I've talked to. It doesn't seem like it's going to be uh, that big of a deal, but you know, there's, there's something to watch for, but once you get the politicians kind of like, they're just sort of like jumping, you know, piling on, they're like, yeah, they're terrible. Like they're taking the money. This is bad or whatever. But um, you know, UCLA was going to lose a bunch of sports if they didn't take the money. So uh, they're going to take the money. Um, all right. I think we should probably wrap it up. Is there one more shotgun you wanted to address or we can, uh, Shotgun always wants one more. Yeah. You put some in uh, there. There's, there was a, a baseball question. Are you still putting the Olympic swimming pool in the middle of the baseball field? Yes. It sounds like it's only going to be a one-year displacement, though. And after that, there'll be a new Dado field. So I think they're actually excited about the potential of that, you know, having okay. a new field and everything. Uh, and Grand Canyon got a new field while Andy Stankowitz was there. So he shows he can raise the money to help do those type of things. A basketball question. We had two that kind of grouped together. Big T asked, this has been the quietest basketball offseason in about four years, but I'm starting to feel more and more confident. Do you have faith in Boogie running as point guard? And then Gary Lewis asked, do you think this upcoming season's USC point guard play will be solid? And I think it will. I mean, Boogie Ellis got to play point guard a little bit yesterday. It was more off the ball because some other guy was running the point mostly named LeBron James uh, playing in the Drew League. Um, but he's getting a chance to play down there in the Drew League, and you play with DeMar DeRozan. You play with LeBron James. You learn from those experiences. And I think the fact that he came back after going to the Combine and you know getting the evaluation from the NBA uh, talent evaluators to what you need to work on, and they probably all told him, you got to be a better point guard. you got to be able to create for others more. And similar with Drew Peterson. So I think those two guys are going to be what USC leans on. And if their guard play from those two guys is really good, this could be a, a sneaky good season for USC because those freshmen will get better and better as the season progresses, and they are very talented. All right. Well, I think it's going to wrap things up. Uh, it's good to be back. We'll try to get the show going 
a little more regularly once we figure out what all the the practice schedules and all that kind of stuff is. But thanks for everyone that was tuning in uh, on Facebook. We got to put some of your Facebook questions up, which is nice. And we'll make sure we get the YouTube ones up next time. Who knows? Maybe we can get the Twitter ones up at some point. So that would be kind of fun too. Um, but yes, that's going to be, uh, rub it up. We got Chris Trevino here and then Shotgun Spratling like way over there, way, way over there to be honest. But you know, Chris is like really late there. If you can, so you can see where me and Chris are. And the shotgun's like really far that way, I think. So, um, we're in the Big Ten, okay, guys? He's Big Ten country. You guys need to catch up. Yeah. Uh, but that'll wrap things up uh, for Chris Trevino and Shotgun Spratling. Thank you so much for tuning in to Tunnel Vision, a little show here brought to you by uscfootball.com. Hope you enjoyed it all, and we will talk to you guys next time. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If, ready PG.